Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What's the latest news from the world of ghost hunting? Is it all really about dead people? What's happening at the 2022 New England Parafest? Hello and welcome to the 941st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from WON, AM, and FM Radio here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben, and those spirited questions came from my co-host and partner in Paranormal Adventures and dad, Paul. And today, uh, we help launch the 2022 New England Parafest with a panel of speakers of the event, including our first in-studio guests in actually over two years, which is kind of impressive. So right. so we, we have a couple of friends for you, and if you'd like to start off, Dad? Okay, well, let's begin with Tom Spitaleri, the industrious organizer of the Parafest. Tom, please introduce yourself and tell us what you are going to be presenting at the Parafest. Thank you guys for having me today. I'm Tom Spitaleri. I'm the founder of New England Ghost Project. Yeah, New England Ghost Project. I'm half asleep. I fell asleep on the way here. Essex County Ghost Project. I was with him long ago as I fall asleep. And I started the New England Parafest seven years ago. We had a few breaks because of, you know, we had this virus running around. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Minor minor things like that. Minor things. But we're at our seventh year. So last year we were going to have it, and the last minute Maine said, no, you can't have it. And then my mind went to work. Two years of losing losing this Parafest, which is the main moneymaker for the um, Hilldale Cemetery in Havel, Massachusetts, which I run and operate. I'm the board president. And cleaning up. Not everybody gets to run a cemetery. No. No, imagine that. I'm running a, I'm board president of a, of a, of a TV state, a peg access station in, in Massachusetts and run a cemetery. How lucky can I be? I'll tell you. Living That's the, dream. Uh, the, the New England dream, <laughs> as they <yeah>. say. <laughs> I'm loving it. And so I said, we need to do something a little different outside the box. Mm. Let's think outside the box. So I started thinking, hmm, maybe run a, a two week event. Hmm, that's a good idea. Let me get the guest speakers lined up. Yeah. Then, because of the holiday season, which is nothing we can do about Easter, Orthodox Easter. Yeah, yeah. We had to make it an extra week so we could be here. Because <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. want any breaks. So, we decided to go from April 9th to April 26th. Very good. Yeah, we've been promoing that. And, yep. Uh, and um, the big event weekend we'll get to in a few minutes. Okay. That's with you you guys and everybody else and Mike behind me. But uh, we kicked it off really yesterday. We had uh, another great paranormal friend of our, all of us here, I think. Tom D'Agostino. Oh, Tom, mm. yep, yep. Yeah, we showed the movie April Morning. We did a free movie matinee. And Tom came in via uh, Skype and talked about the ghost of Lexington and Concord. He's probably one of the foremost investigators down in that area. Even though he doesn't live there, he knows more about it than anybody else. Oh, he lives I in know. our listening area. <laughs> he lives actually, down yeah. there, yeah. So he was there, and we had a good turnout for that. We also had the psychic fair running this weekend. As I'm here, there's a psychic fair running. Mm-hmm. Then um, our good friends right down the street in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, are running an H.P. Lovecraft event. Yeah, the Johnsons. And they yeah. Asked, yeah, the Johnsons. Yeah. They have good friends. Of our, they asked if we could advertise with that. So we did. Very so good. out of that comes everything else. Next Saturday, oh, uh, Friday the 15th, we'll be at Hilldale Cemetery for a ghost hunt. Um 
Then next Saturday, the 16th, we'll be doing a movie matinee about Robert Rogers. Northwest Passage. It's a two-hour movie. And we're going to talk about the ghost of Robert Rogers and who Robert Rogers was. Oh, that sounds we got a local historian coming in who is a got a great degree in the background of the French Indian War, which Rogers fought in. And as we know, Rhode Island was the hub of the French Indian War. Yeah, I bring southeastern yeah, Massachusetts. Right, exactly. Yeah, and uh, that would be myself coming in to speak. And then um, we got the ghost at the at the uh, Hannah Dustin Garrison house. Um. Next Saturday night, and then uh, we get one on the twenty-first, and then we got a mo- movie matinee with the uh, my TV shows. There we go, now, and we got a lot of stuff going on. Sounds great. Well, we'll, we'll review it as yeah. uh, as we go mm-hmm. through the show. Yes. Uh, now, I also want to introduce uh, someone who just arrived, our good friend Matt Moniz. How are we doing, guys? Well, better than nothing. Why don't you uh, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you're going to be doing at the Parafest, Matt? All right. I've been a scientist for the past 30 years. I'm also a science advisor to the radio show Spooky South Coast. I've been doing that for about going on 17 years now. Wow. Yeah. Um, My involvement in this uh, event is going to be talking about uh, alien abductions, and in particular with a particular case that actually directly involves me and another abductee, one of the Starborn Twins. We're going to be talking about our particular case and how we basically ran into each other. Would it be a Debbie Hewins by any chance? Why, that it would be. Okay, very good. Another good friend. We all know each other. We all know, yeah. 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 So uh, certainly one of our dearest friends, uh, Mike Stevens, is, is coming to us via Skype from the beautiful state of New Hampshire, and uh, you look like you're out in your natural habitat there, Mike. Up, oh, your mic's muted. you got to unmute, unmute your mic, Mike. Up, oh, one more time. Uh, there you go. All right. Yeah, there pretty close to it. <laughs> we got it. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Mike. Um, so I'm Mike. I'm a experiencer. I run a group that supports other experiencers and at the conference i'm going to be talking um more so not about my experience about because experiences and abductees as matt i'm sure can chime right in uh you know it's not just when it's happening we have to deal with this every day of our life so i'm going to touch on more of the hardships of that okay good well let's uh we have a couple of questions from listeners and we have our own questions let's um start with something very basic uh Ben, why don't you? Well, let me see. So, <laughs> okay, no, we're, we're as I say, these are our first in studio guests for two years. So we'll start with Tom. We're, we're a little anxious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, we're making history today, right. huh, Matt? Yeah. I know. I'm so, like, Tom, you, um, what? How would you define this, or at least explain the current state of paranormal research from your point of view? The current state of paranormal research, well. I didn't take any time off, but I know some teams did during the pandemic. A lot of teams did. We kept going. We had cases straight through. We, we slowed down. Yeah. We had cases straight through, even as far as going out to Western Mass and the Berks. So we were going. Mm. And um, it's now picking back up. And 
there's been the good news is some of the teams that did slow down get some research done. There's some great stuff out there. Interesting. All right. On some of the stuff, and I actually slowed down enough. We did slow down that I was able to start researching something that was near and dear to me. Which was what? Um, something that I've coined new on some of my own shows called the Canosa Triangle. Oh, right. Yes, you were. It's a section in Haverhill, and it actually goes from the New Hampshire border through Bradford, like this from Main Street in Haverhill on an angle. It's not really a triangle, but, you know, you get it out Well, that's there. a research tool. Right. We, we, we exactly. And it goes into Merrimack, Massachusetts, where there's been a dozens of UFO, paranormal. It's in through the Whittier land area, if anyone's familiar with John Greenleaf Whittier and what yeah. Whittier oh, yeah, wrote. Yeah. It's near the Whittier oh, birthplace. Yeah. Uh, County Bridge Road, the Haunted County Bridge Road, we've done it. We were able to go out there. And what I was able to do, because it slowed down, was start a Tom Live show. And that's how I got into, oh, wow, look at all this. And then I looked at some of my old case files going. Then I grabbed the map and went pink, 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 and went, wow, look at this cluster. Yeah, right. right. Whoa. And then it also, towards the end of the pandemic, other stage, other places around me were starting to come out, and a good friend of mine, um, Bob McDermott. I was, get, I have two friends with the same last name, not related. <laughs> get them confused all the time yeah, because of my age. Yeah. He's involved in Sandown, and all of a sudden we go up and help him out at the Sandown Meeting House, the Sandown Train Station, because he needed Essex County's help. We co ran a fundraiser over there, and we start getting calls over there. <coughs> we bring in another team from out that way, and. Come to find out, we start knocking heads and going, wow, look at this area is loaded with stuff. And then you take all the stuff that's already been published that we've been able to research, and you get a train line that goes from <laughs> Reading through New Hampshire out to the New Hampshire seacoast with a ton of stuff going on in those lines. So we've been able to find a lot of things because we've been able to slow down instead of me answering the phone 24 hours a day going, Okay, we're okay. off to another case. Now, I want to move on to Matt yes. and Mike, but first, uh, we have a special guest in the studio today, too, Sarah, who is the, your case manager. Yes. Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No you didn't problem. expect to be on the air today. but It's all right. No, I'm the case manager. I'm also the web designer for Essex County Ghost Project. I do a ta- show in Haverhill with Tom on HC Media, labeled Essex County Ghost Project. Okay. So. All right, well... So let, let's go with the same question <clears throat> to Mike. Uh, w- what's the current state of paranormal research? And I'm talking about UFOs too, the whole the whole, the whole kettle of uh, horses there. So go ahead. Um, I mean, I think paranormal stuff's probably kind of going on as usual. Uh, the UFO stuff's getting a little more mixed up because the government's, you know, releasing documents and this and that, and everybody's kind of up in a tiz on that. And it, really no new information for anybody studied this. I, I think it's another public relations thing like uh, Project Blue Book or something personally. Mm. But Yeah. Okay, Matt, what's your take on what's going on in the field right now and is it going anywhere back in the 19th century or what? Well, paranormal research if you're talking ghosts has been going on since we've had campfires. That's our right. first form of communication. That's our first stories and they were generally shared as, you know, uh, a metaphor to not do this and pay attention to that, you know, as a social construct, as a teaching tool. But we know modern day 
we're using more technology. And all the technology that people use today for ghost hunting is just to augment natural senses. You use cameras because the cameras can see in spectrums of light that your eyes can't use recorders because they can hear frequencies your ears can't. Various other sensors to replace skin, you know, for EMF, so you're feeling the tingling on the body. They even have um, ion sensors like your nose works. And if you're tasting a ghost, you've got issues. But, <laughs> but the point being is that all of the equipment they're using is just augmenting you know, your natural senses, and that's what people did with paranormal research. If you go back to, you know, the ghost societies that started in London and Europe, it was just the personal experiences that the people had, and that's still continuing on today. We just got better ways to record it now. Well, I'm a speaker, too, so I'll mild off. Um, Obviously, I'm Paulino, co-host of the show for almost 14 years now, and... uh, uh, at the Parafest, uh, which we always look forward to every year, when there is a year, so, mm-hmm. yes. uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to be talking about working with Ed Lorraine Warren. Now, a lot of people worked with, <clears throat> excuse me, Ed Lorraine Warren uh, of the Conjuring fame. <clears throat> beg your pardon. Mm. Uh, the um, I don't think there's, there's anybody around or too many people around who worked as early as I did with them. Uh, that's through most of the. Um, um, early and mid 1970s, when they weren't really well well known out outside Connecticut, mm. and I was a Connecticut kid, so <clears throat> uh, you know I'll be explaining how I met up with them and some of the interesting things that happened, and that's what I'll be doing at the Parafest on the 23rd. <clears throat> so, oh dear, fun getting old, isn't it, Ben? Oh yeah. <clears throat> so uh, as far as the the state of paranormal research, I tend to be rather a, a doubter about a lot of things, including disclosure. Oh yeah, you know we'll, we'll be Ben and I are on a lot of panels. We're all, we're often asked to speak at UFO conferences. <clears throat> conferences, as a matter of fact, I'm one of the three paranormal people now with MUFON, uh, the their uh, experience of research team, and uh, we'll be on panels. I mean, you know, our learned colleagues will say. Oh, disclosure is going to come next year. The government's going to tell us everything they know about UFOs. And they get to us and we say, all right, show of hands. Who believes what the government says? The whole audience groans. And I said, you know, if they release anything, uh, it'll be inaccurate or wrong or or at least incomplete because uh, th- that's, I mean, no, I had intelligence training in the military and that, that's, that, that wasn't, didn't, my clearance wasn't very high. But you do pick up a few tips that, uh, you know, you don't tell people anything. You give them false information from uh, accurate sources and vice versa and keep everybody guessing and everybody loves a mystery. So I, I have a lot of doubts about that. <clears throat> as far as the ghost hunting uh, techniques and methods, I kind of threw up my hands a long time ago <clears throat> because um, we're, we're, the, although there are exceptions now, I think that, that there's a method toward um, uh, the madness in the sense that people are starting to consider things like Quantum entanglement, uh, perpendicular time streams, uh, Everett universes, things of this kind, and, and we've had we have uh, eminent PhDs on the show all the time who agree with us, physicists, and, so. and I think uh, we need to move on from the 19th century. And Tom, Tom gets an earache from me on this all the time, and and we need to, um, you know, 
get get real and get into the 21st century and start looking at, at ghosts and everything from that point of view where there's no such thing as death. You can't have dead people. I was on the air one time with Jason Hawes from Ghost Hunters, and I don't really know him. He's from Rhode Island. That, that, that's that's a, a feat in itself, not knowing somebody else who's from Rhode Island. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So... But I, I, I had to, I was rather impressed with him. It wasn't on this show. It's on some. Show, it was his show actually, and uh, he was talking about a case in a hotel where, where the quote unquote ghost kept asking if they were from security. So I mean, he's talking about quantum entanglement, parallel worlds. I mean, that 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 was very interesting. So he's he's an open minded guy. I respect that. It's terrifying if you can't see security though. Mm. Uh, right, <laughs> especially in that situation. So so that's all I'll say on that. And um, uh, we can move on, sort of to. Um, uh, what qualifications should someone have to research anything in this field? Tom? Well, my background is I'm a historian. I'm a trained historian. So I've been doing research. Yeah, and you I, find stuff about all my relatives. Right. Here, yeah. I'm not the trained historian that goes online and goes, Google search. <laughs> I use books. And I use their sources and resource back and source back and resource back because you learn through the years on Google or any of those, even family gen websites, that anybody can change anything. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so you got to have a, some type of background in some type of knowing the knowledge of research. And everything else I've just learned as I've gone along pretty much. I mean, mm. it's, it is what it is. I mean, you just keep reading books and educating yourself and looking into interesting things and reading books with open mind because some books are good. <laughs> yeah. Others, well, <laughs> others are doorstops, maybe. Yeah. Right. Others are like, well, it's just like in history. Everyone loves, I love reading history books. We'll make this quick. I love reading town history books. So I'm not talking, I'm talking the, like, yeah, the, meet, with the, yeah. the meeting minutes from the town council meetings. Right. You know, <laughs> what people would call boring. Now, some people do. They go get these great postcard history books, and they think that's all the history. They're great to look at. They're great for pictures, but they don't tell you much. Right, right. They're cliff notes. They're cliff. Yes, yes. They're cliff notes. Yeah. You can't learn. You can't do research off of cliff notes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, uh, I, I'm sorry. Are you finished, Tom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mike. Um, what qualifications do you think a researcher should have? Should, should they I mean, be an experiencer too? Not necessarily. It certainly helps. I mean, you've got to be open-minded. Ufology is such a weird field that it's based around, like, the top, you know, handful of cases that everybody knows. And you can get a room full of experiences and learn more about ufology in an hour than, you know, anybody's talking about. So I I think actually listening to the people who are there or who've experienced it, just because it doesn't fit into what you think, you know, it should or shouldn't, is always worth note, especially when it starts popping up again. Well, there you go, yes. Uh, it's funny, though, that... Um, well, I'm going to let them... We're all dying Sorry. here. Uh, it's that time of year, you know. It is, yes, it is. A- allergy <laughs> season is upon us, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Also, you don't want to inhale water. Right. No, <laughs> no, you don't. definitely don't yeah. want to do that. Well, all right, I'll go first and let you recover from no, the... No, uh, I'm good. Okay, all right, so uh, what do you feel are the qualifications, Matt, for anybody? As both of them said, the first thing you have to have is an open mind. Without that, then you're, you're already setting yourself up for failure. 
because if you don't have an open mind, you're going to constantly stub your toe as you research. You've got to be able to be both historian, scientist, and, and in a lot of cases, you have to be um, a good listener, first off, because whenever you're dealing with people, you have to be able to listen to them, let them finish what they want to say, try not to coach them in, into what you want them to say, listen to the story in its pure form from the horse's mouth. You can go digging into what they said and interpreting it later, but the first thing you got to do is let them get the story out, okay? And then from there, other people with open minds can make up their their decision about what the data is. As a scientist, I like to see all the data. When you start cutting the pieces out of it because, well, that doesn't fit what I think, then that's no longer research. That's propaganda. He has to meet Lori. Oh, yeah. Our, our casting producer was also a behavioral scientist. The data. We need the data. You know, that's right. So, Is that uh, a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, she won't hurt you. Um, so uh, just uh, from... What if I pay her? Uh, well, she's about to retire. She might need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving her a raise in two years. So in, in any case, uh, I, I think that um, uh, qualifications... You know, you very often hear... The, the bios of all the big, like, ghost hunters and stuff. Well, I grew up in a haunted house. I mean, that's great, maybe, but, I mean, your father could have been a brain surgeon and your mother, your mother could have been, uh, you know, uh, in, into uh, some sort of uh, operating, uh, you know, uh, room procedures or something and some kind of surgeon, but that doesn't mean you can do it yourself. So, uh, and you can do things wrong all your life and think you're doing it right. So, I mean, I think the qualifications ought to be, as everyone has said before, should involve ability to research, uh, an open mind, but also a healthy skepticism, too. Yeah. You know, uh, but an honest one, and, and a realization that we know nothing about our world, ourselves, really, and uh, we have to have what Aristotle called the tabula rasa, the empty slate, and you write on it as best you can, that's the best you can do. What's the motto with this show? Everything you know is wrong. Mm. That includes us. Well, so you touched on a good topic, skepticism. People don't understand the difference between skepticism and cynicism. Mm. You're right. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Yep. A lot of, you know, the, the skeptics aren't really skeptics. They're cynics. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can name you a few. Well, I've met I'm several. Sure you'd the <laughs> yeah, I, but I mean, to be skeptical of some somebody or or something is to question the possibility, to outright just deny its ability. That that that's stupid. That stupidity in a purest form. I, it can't be because I don't. Well, mm. you're limiting other people because of your limitations. Exactly. Yeah. The, the other thing you need to do is you need to study a little behaviorism, too, because we've had a few cases where we'll be very professional and very nice. There was no paranormal activity. It was all manifested. In, oh, we've all run into that. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it's sad to say it was manifested. Yeah. You know. Either in, through mental uh, limitations yes. or... To substance, uh, Mike. Any for any comments on that subject before we uh, get on to our break? 
Um, no, I think it's pretty much what we've all been repeating. It's, you know, sometimes you have to let them get the story out, but it's not necessarily what they say. It's how they say it. And then you have to, you know, right, yeah. kind of depict it from there. That's true. Where are you anyway? You, you look, uh, for those who were not watching on the uh, video stream here, uh, Mike is uh, out in his natural habitat there. Uh, he knows New Hampshire, uh, I'm sure, like the back of his hand, as they say. Oh, uh, this is just actually a little... It'll dry up. It's just a little swamp pond that's looking very lake-like at the moment. <laughs> <Off> okay. <laughs> very good. Well, it's got the New Hampshire aesthetics, and that's what yeah. matters. It does. It does. <laughs> well, Ben, why don't we take our break a little early, and we'll get on to uh, some uh, listener questions here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our great guest panel today. We'll be right back, so stay with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON Radio. And we're with our great guest panel today. We have Tom Spitaleri, we have Matt Moniz, and we have Mike Stevens. So let's go and on to And don't forget the legend, Paul. Well, everybody knows me. I'm kind of a part of the furniture around here. So, Ben, if you would uh, take care of this. This is uh, from Peter Shelley, who's uh, one of our guest co-hosts occasionally. Uh, he's from uh, Bogota, Colombia. And so questions from south of the board. Still haven't thought of a catchy nickname for Peter yet. So, something alliterated. Um, don't make him mad. Pervasive Peter. There we go. Wait. No. No. I'll, I'll keep trying. Um, How about profound? Profound Peter. Wunderbar. Yeah, I'll take it. So Thank profound you, Peter writes to us, what are a couple of interesting cases uh, from the book Time Storms in which uh, may not have been heard of before? Okay. Well, well that, that's kind of uh, out of uh, South America. <laughs> Um, time storms, it bears some explanation. Time storms is a term invented by two of the people, I, one of the pre- people I considered real heroes in this field, one of whom is Jacques Vallée, and the one who invented the term is uh, Jenny Randalls, the great British researcher for many, many years. Um, I know Jacques, I don't know Jenny, I'm sorry to say. But time storms is a phenomenon that she identified in a number of cases, uh, and that when I ran into the term, I, I recognized from cases going back all the way to the 70s, and the, I didn't know there was a name for it. And what essentially they are are um, <clears throat> areas or uh, phenomena in, in which you, you you probably don't want to go into this, but I mean literally, because they're cloud-like formations and mists and things like this. Uh, that will do funny things with space and time. <clears throat> uh, I, I don't know if we have time to get into specific cases from the book, but I can tell you cases that that, that happened to us that uh, reminded me of these. Um, and one I've been working with, I'm working with right now in Florida, in the Bridgeport poltergeist case of 1974, there was a sort of a mist in the kitchen, when, when the four, these four entities that I considered parasites 
Everybody else thought they were demons. I suppose it's the same thing, really, uh, except for the, the theological baggage. Came out of and went back into. Uh, in uh, one of the cases in, in uh, Jenny Randall's book, Time Storms, uh, it happened in Mongolia, and people were kind of like on safari there, and uh, they looked up and there was th- th- this uh, this mist, and th- they can be of different colors, and sometimes uh, <clears throat> uh, UFOs will come out to be other lights, things of this kind, and they people would feel electrical tingle all over their bodies. They would feel um, timeless, as though time had stopped, and uh, things would happen. That They would see sometimes various creatures they didn't recognize from this world. They would sometimes see uh, other people who weren't there, uh, things of this kind, but, uh, and they would come out of it and would have lost or gained several hours, or in some cases several days. So all the cases differ, but but the commonalities are uh, this sort of misty thing. Uh, when cars are involved, a gravity can be suspended. The, the car will float in the air and then, then come down, and in some cases. So it's really quite remarkable. And I said, my gosh, I've seen, I haven't seen any floating cars lately, but, I mean, there have been uh, cases where we've had this sort of misty thing. I think the most recent one being... In 2019, and we might refer you to our show, the video from our show, uh, May 25th, 2019, which was the <clears throat> the uh, the night after a bunch of us witnessed this, including Alexander Petikoff, Shane Searway, and uh, Charles Credo from the Seco Saucers of New England. We were all down and working the Pennsylvania case. Ben, unfortunately, was up here. I was I was trying in, to trying to put together the two-hour special for the. Next. I was in my natural habitat, which is right here. <laughs> right, <laughs> Mr. Producer. And so uh, we, we saw a, just that sort of a cloud uh, up in the sky. And sometimes they're seen in the sky. Had it been on the ground, we might have had even more adventures. But there was an object that came out of it went, and went back into it at the end. And we got this whole thing on video. And that video is available on YouTube on the uh, Behind the Paranormal <clears throat> with Paul and Ben Eno channel. So uh, all these things uh, were, to me... Time storms or potential time storms. So that's, uh, now, now I would ask anybody else on the panel here, have you ever run into anything like that? Tom? Well, that's the first time I've ever heard that terminology. Well, the, Thank the, you the, for the, the lady with, in Florida I'm yeah. working with, and this, uh, she had never heard, it's happened to her all the time, she never heard the terminology but either. <clears throat> there have been times at my home, my second home, Hilldale Cemetery, which is part of the paragraph, where we've lost time. Lost plenty of time down there. Mm. Um, one day, we did a Tom Live show on County Road, in now what I call the Canosa Triangle. We had done a couple different Tom Live shows there. All of a sudden, we had spider webs. You were with us that yes. day. Spider webs felt over us. And all of a sudden, we were live, but nothing went out live. Nothing went out live off. We used the uh, iPad. Nothing no went out. No, no, no visual, no nothing. Hmm. And we lost... We, we thought we were in there for a short time, and we got out there and went, well, we know what time we left our cars at. went, oh, it's a little later than we thought. <laughs> Did the iPad actually record? thought we were recording. Nothing, nothing. nothing transmitted at all. Nothing transmitted, nothing, nothing recorded. Nothing nope. at all. Hmm. She was running the iPad. I do the talking. So, she was running the iPad, and I had my case manager, not case manager, tech manager there and. He had some. He even had an incident happen there where he went filming in 
That tunnel that he used to go to. Who's that? Tunnel. My case, uh, my tech manager. The who's that tunnel? No, no, no. The one in. Um. He, he was in there anyhow. He lost track. There's a dam. It's right in Western Mass. No, so around 495 in Massachusetts. All right, well, the tunnel. It will come to me later on. But he lost track of time. He, he thought he was only in there for 15 minutes, and he was in there. All for a lot longer than that. And it's he, not uncommon. No, I never knew the official, because I'm the young guy and the paranormal here compared to you guys. You know, well, thanks a lot. Years in there. Are you saying I'm old? No, I'm just saying. Are you, you saying doing it I'm old? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the experience. Yes, I'm the oldest guy in the room. Or whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay, Mike, uh, you ever run into that sort of thing or heard about it in New Hampshire or anywhere else? Um, yeah, I've had it a few times myself, which I'd, I'd more link uh, with the UFO type stuff, but kind of more like what they're talking about. Uh, I'd say in real time, which obviously time's up for question here, is we were going down the highway once, and this car was coming up behind us way too fast, had lost a tire, was going, it was like right next to us, swerving into us. It was going to hit us. We like closed our eyes and braced, and somehow we got like two car lengths ahead of this by the time we opened our eyes and everything was fine for us. Um, but so that's the only like other than just having big blocks of missing time without an answer that I've experienced. Yeah, you could be getting into a subject that we refer to as, uh, with the cheering title of quantum death. But anyway, that's for another show. Matt, ever run into this uh, time storm thing? Uh, actually, yes, on a number of different occasions. Now, Jenny Randall wrote a book with uh, co-author Dot Street about the um, Rendlesham Forest incident. And if you're familiar with the with that particular incident, there was mists involved with the craft, and other people reported distorted time experiences in that whole series of events. So we know in UFO literature that this is a common occurrence. It's also similar uh, type of occurrences with certain paranormal events, i.e. ghost type of things. A lot of people seeing the ghostly misting things and people lose track of where they are. And in some cases, people have been, you know, it was like I was back in that time when this was at its heyday when I was looking at this apparition. It's also, interestingly, if you uh, look up a guy by the name of Steve Ishtal, who does the website How to Hunt, he gets tons and tons of people reporting Bigfoot things. And that's another thing that's been uh, floated out by people. You know, Bigfoot and this misty portal steps in and out of. So this mist and time and things is something that's common through all of the unexplained. It's mm, actually a good point. A very good point. I'm thinking of, uh, of the flap areas, as we call them, we yeah. investigate. You have, uh, we call them, you know, intersect points, <clears throat> overwashes, you want to call them portals. portals. Yeah, yeah. You know, th- that thing we saw in Pennsylvania, that, that cloud-like thing, the thing was coming out of it, going into it. And uh, I mean, was that sort of a portal or, or, or that sort of thing? And uh, Skidwalker Ranch, the whole that whole scenario. Well, so. I'm looking at it in, from a science view. Okay, yep. you're, you've got energy. Energy creates either heat or cold, depending upon which way you're using it. Our atmosphere is filled with 
lots of moisture, so you get a condensate, so mist would form in, in that particular situation. Is it steam or is it condensate? It would be a form of steam if heat is generated. It would be condensation if there's the event horizon is cold. So it's yeah, conforming yeah. to physics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what's causing it, that's what's up for debate. Interesting point. Oh, we have a second question from uh, One what we call profound people. It was the Clinton Tunnel that happened to my uh, technology. Oh, okay. Clinton Tunnel. All right, so stay out of the Clinton Tunnel. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Dad, you actually answered, well, you all really effectively answered the next question, which was, has anybody ever run into it? Oh, okay. Well, look at that. <laughs> all right. Wow, it's like we do this for a living. Yeah, Peter's huh? uh, psychic powers are uh, pretty cool today. Yes. Uh, now, here's something a little bit different. Uh, this is also from Peter. It was from a different show that we never got to. So, As it goes. Peter, your honorary co-host today. Uh, so, Peter writes to us, uh, considering we answered your second question unintentionally, um, I would like everyone to comment on this, please. Do the prophecies of such people like Nostradamus, Stromberger, uh, Edgar Casey, and others predict the current terrible situation? Or maybe you should put, in parentheses, situations. Yeah, they multiplied since he wrote that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Tom? I wouldn't know how to answer that one, to be honest. Well, that's an honest answer, anyway. Uh, Mike? What do you think of dear old uh, Nostradamus and those guys? Sarah, do you have any thoughts? I don't really have a response. I think it's hard to pick, because once you overlay any fact that's Mm -hmm. happened over something else, you know, there's so much room for interpretation of that's what it meant. I, Mm -hmm. I do believe some people can predict certain things, but to say it's everybody who has is right is a different story. Well, yeah. Yeah, That's a good point. Uh, Matt, what's the... Um, It's not really a prediction if you're talking about things that happen regularly in history. Oh, there's going to be a war. There's going to be a famine. (laughs) There's going to be a flood. Anybody can be Nostradamus at that point. Yeah. You know, what separates some of these individuals like Casey and Nostradamus is they were giving time periods in which this is going to occur. But again, on average, a war happens, at least with us, every 20 years mm. with the United States. But, you know, there's always constantly a war going on. There's always constantly weather events happening and, you know, these type of things. So their predictions are right, but it's not really a prediction if it's a common thing that's always happening. That's my view. That's very sensible. Well, the whole thing with Nostradamus, I'm sure he was a nice fellow, but I mean, what good is it if you only tell what happens when you look back on on the alleged prediction? Now, what's interesting with him is that, um, and I'm going to get into this when I talk about the the working with the Warrens uh, at the Parafest, the notion of demon. Now, we hear demon, we go, oh, wow, you know. And, uh, you know, I get that, rightly so. But there was an ancient idea of the daemon, as it were. Uh, and everybody says, well, you know, Socrates said he had one, Plato. And there was a notion that we all had. It's really the notion of the guardian angel. There's always been a notion that we have, we have like a, whether you call it a higher self or whatever. And the term daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N, by the Greeks was applied to that. And, uh, the Christian church, bless its a little heart, in the, in the beginning, 
would tend to demonize things that you know it even became a verb uh, that that they found threatening. So the whole notion of having uh, somebody else to help you besides them, uh, they didn't like that. So the whole thing got totally demonized and made to, to be evil and this kind of thing. And uh, the Warrens kind of obviously and everybody else kind of jumped on that, and that's that was the uh, theory by which they operated. And um, I was a pain in the neck because I didn't. I questioned everything, and Ed would look at me sometimes. You know, what's the matter with you? Well, when you question or... things, that shows a sign of an intelligent mind, or at least a curious mind. Anyway. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. So, but anyway, th- that's uh, for another day. So um, we're not out of time yet, but I want to give everybody a chance to talk about their websites where people can find out more. And especially about the Parafest, huh? All right. You can go to EssexCountyGhostProject.org and find out everything about the Parafest. It's right updated. It's more updated than this packet is, actually, Uh, because I just have time to print another one out. But it is totally updated with everything going on from April 9th all the way to April 26th, including the great weekend coming up, which Matt and you guys are going to be speaking April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th Mm -hmm. in Kittery. Kittery, Maine. Very good. Uh, Matt, how about yourself? Now you can always find me at SpookySouthCoast.com. I've also started a uh, podcast, video podcast with um, Tom Reed. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, it's called uh, Inner Space TV. We pre-record you know, interviews with people, and then we are, we're collecting a bunch of them right now. We've already done like 10 episodes with people, and we just did one recently uh, with... Tracy Torme, and we're going to be uploading that. Um, you can go innerspacetv.com, and I'm obviously going to be speaking at the Parafest, mm-hmm. working on all kinds of projects, as, as always. We'll give our best, too, to Tim Weisberg. Uh, I shall. Good friend. His show, Spooky South Coast, is, I think, the only show in New England that's older, older than this one. And I think I was his second guest when yeah. I first came on here. So, um, so Mike... Uh, what, what say you? Where can people find out more about you, Granite um, Sky Services? Uh, GraniteSky.org or Granite Sky Services on Facebook. Very good. And what, what exactly does Granite Sky Services do? Um, we basically um, help other experiencers work through um, their experiences and day-to-day lives after that. Um, I like group meetings more so because there's so many angles to this and there's so much to learn, and just knowing you're not alone really helps people. Well, one of the things too that we should discuss is is what do you mean by what do we mean by an experiencer? Now, years ago, somebody walked up to me at one of the first paranormal conferences we did and said, uh, or a UFO conferences, are you an experiencer? And assuming that it meant you had to be abducted by little gray men, I said no, not that I know of. But some, but Kathy Martin of all people turned around and said what are you talking about your last book has all these experiences with the you know paranormal events time stuff and all this of course you're an experiencer so i said oh yeah i guess that's true so how how would you define define an experiencer is it someone who who thinks they've had some kind of experience or who's sure of it or or what what say you tom well i think you know I mean, I've never actually, I mean, I've woken up thinking I've been taken, abducted, 
everything else. I've talked to Mike about this. I've talked to Audrey and Debbie about this too through the years because I've known them for years. Um, I've experienced stuff in the in the paranormal. Almost been thrown out a window once or twice right. in my life. I've channeled a few things in my life. Um, so yeah, I would think if you've channeled things, seen things, you'd be an experiencer. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, does Sarah have any thought on that? Well, thinking in terms of being pushed and seeing things. Yeah, just get closer to the mic. Oh, no, I'm, I'm being pushed. I know okay. I didn't end up getting hurt. Nobody and likes then, to be pushed around. <laughs> no. I don't yeah. think it wanted me there, but yeah. I'm randomly seeing things. Okay. So. Uh, Mike? I mean, you've uh, talked a lot about experiencers, and you are one. Uh, what say you? Does it, what constitutes an experiencer? Well, I mean, I think Matt will agree. I know he he's really uh, pretty good on his terms. That that you know, an experiencer and an abductee are different things. To me, even if you've only seen a UFO, but it was so life changing, so it profound and shook your whole world view. I think you're still an experiencer. Ah, uh, okay, Matt. Yeah, I agree. Um, experiencer is a term for people that have had some sort of encounter. Okay. From experiencer, you can segregate into various UFO field. Okay. Experience in a UFO field, you can be an abductee who is an unwilling victim. You can be a contactee, which is a person that sought out or works with UFOs. And then you have uh, a general catch-all category of experiencer where it's somebody that's still trying to figure out what's going on. So you have the spectrum from one part to another, but they all fall under experiencer category. Now, one of the interesting points uh, is that um, there are many big names, in researchers in the, the paranormal or UFO field or both, who are experiencers but don't admit it. Yes. You know, uh, they, I'm thinking the only exception I can think of is Stanton Friedman, uh, the great, uh, the late great UFO, uh, sort of really the, the dean of the field, who, um, and I, we asked him, he was on the show many times, we knew him personally, he wrote the foreword for one of our books, so we knew him pretty well, and he, he said one time, He'd never even seen a UFO. One time he was at a speaking at a conference and the people were yelling outside to come out. But by the time he got there, it was gone. And talk about frustrating. But uh, as far as I know, he never experienced anything. But but other people, and uh, Kathy Martin, a dear friend of ours, just just wrote a book um, about her experiences. And so you know, you get to a certain age. I know this. And my my last book is stuff I never wanted to write about. I hated writing it, but I figured you know. Nobody's going to ever know about it. You know, I, you know, go uh, bye bye, and you know, they never write about it. So there are a lot of people who um, are experiences and won't admit it. Now, why won't they admit it? They they work with experiences every day, but they still admit that that they feel their credibility will be hurt if they themselves are experiencers. I suppose if the psychiatrist is himself or herself schizophrenic, that would not do much for their reputation. So, I mean, that was probably a bad uh, analogy, but nevertheless. Well, some of the best people that help out with, you know, say, like, rape cases have been through those experiences mm. themselves. So it, it, it's a form of being able to identify with the people you're trying to yeah. help. 
that that makes the best type of support because you understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, we have a few more minutes. I think probably um, the question of the science. Will, is the paranormal catching up with the science, or do you think science needs to catch up with the paranormal? Uh, Matt, you look like you are pensive about that question. Well, I'm, I, I reflect back to what Einstein said. You know, uh, he, and I'll paraphrase it. Basically, all the mysterious and unexplained is eventually accepted once it changes its name to science, once we understand it. So, well, as we always say, today's paranormal is tomorrow's science. Science, correct. Yeah, exactly. Tom? I could agree with both of you guys on that one. I mean, it's much better out there. And, you know, and the thing is, though, you've got a lot more people researching today. There was a time in this field, in the paranormal, I'm not sure about the UFO, I will not speak on that, where when it became mainstream TV, everybody wanted to become a paranormal investigator because it looked cool. And what it did was it actually damaged the paranormal field. Absolutely. And damaged a lot of people, too. Just because... The, they had the latest, greatest, brand new equipment because their parents could afford to buy it for them. Doesn't mean they had the experiences needed to go into these homes or these bigger museums. And that's why, like, in Massachusetts, it's hard to get into a state park because yeah. a lot of that was destroyed. But now that this, the TV has now finally slowed down a little bit. Yeah. Unless you watch the Travel Channel. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, we can now go back to the research end of the field and help these clients out, and you get better cases, and you're getting better stuff out there, and you're helping more people. Yes, because they went immediately to investigation, didn't do anything with research ahead of time. It helped to know the history. You know, anybody can pick up the recorders and go into a place that's reportedly haunting, but if you don't know anything about it, what... What are you really doing? Mm. You're what's called legend tripping more than right, right. than you are really doing research. Yes. Ben, you've been sitting here very quietly the whole hour pushing buttons. What say you about any of these things? Well, first of all, um, it's not often we have more than just you and I and someone on Skype in the studio, so right. I am studiously paying attention to all the video switchers. So for all of you watching the live stream, you're welcome. Um, I, I've been... <laughs> Trying to write down my thoughts as, to, as time goes along, and also we only have like five-ish minutes left, so I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it brief. We're existing in a really fun time in human history. Uh, there's an ancient Chinese curse that is, "May you live in interesting times," and certainly we live in interesting times. Um, but that's a, that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? So one of the really interesting things is the way that we experience everyday life. Um, has changed quite a bit in the last two years, I would say, you know. The the constant sense of fear is always fun, you know. <laughs> really sort of a sense of our own mortality all the time. So I think we're, we're living in a very fascinating period of history where there's sort of something changing. And this is what everyone's been talking about the last, you know, decade or so, which is the paradigm shift, right? And and I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the term. I think it's kind of, I don't know, it just... It, <laughs> It's it's just it's, I just don't think it does does it justice. But we we are experiencing something where we're kind of experiencing almost a a, a reenchantment, and I, I mean that in a way that 
the mundane just isn't enough anymore, right? You know, we you you're, you're hearing more and more reports of people seeing UFOs. You know, people are stuck in their houses. They're contemplating things. They're reading more things, and it's it, all the old stuff just isn't making any sense anymore. And we're getting to this point in in postmodern thinking where we're kind of like, all right, well, there's a big wall here, which is nihilism, and we can either just go full nihilism and just say, well, nothing matters, or we turn and try and find some way around the wall. But there's really no way around the wall. So you've got to look backwards. And you have to pick up things that worked. Because the whole point of postmodernism is to take things and just chuck them out, chuck them out, chuck them out until there's nothing left. Right? And so now our, our sort of modern worldview is not taking into account everything. We're, we're all hyper-focused on very individualized things, and you're missing everything else. And all that's left is really... What's on the exterior? What's on the outside? And that's where we are. <laughs> so it's not a, not really a paradigm shift. It's more of a paradigm shuffle. Bada boom. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time here, folks. Uh, just a brief word about the Parafest, where people, people can find out more. Yes, uh, EssexCountyGhostProject.org. Tickets are for sale. we still got uh, open boot spaces available if people want it. There's everything's on the website, EssexCountyGhostProject.org, New England Parafest, uh, April 9th through the 26th, and 22nd, 23rd, 24th in May. Outstanding. Okay, Ben, I'll start the announcements here. Sure thing. Uh, the Exeter UFO Festival is finally back after a two-year hiatus. Uh, that'll center at the historic Exeter, New Hampshire Town Hall over the Labor Day weekend, September 3rd and 4th. More information will be forthcoming. It's a great event sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. Mike Stevens is one of the organizers, does a great job. Uh, now, we'll do our traditional live broadcast from the event on Sunday with a panel of the speakers. The subject of our talk, time storms, of all things, uh, with thanks to the great British researcher Jenny Randalls. It's a fun event. The whole downtown gets involved. Restaurants serve things like Roswell Burgers, Final Frontier Franks, and Alien Cruncher Ice Cream. It's a lot of fun. Yes, and uh, you can also find out more about the show at our BehindTheParanormal.com website, where you can find over 1,100 hours, can't do math, of our regular shows and uh, special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WOON, AM and FM, including those that have been restored to our archives at BehindTheParanormal.com. Also, you can hear many of these broadcasts on major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify. Uh, download our show app. It's free at BehindTheParanormal.com. doesn't do a lot, but at least it'll give you the, all the uh, links to all the uh, shows as they are posted. So um, we have a website with a charity page. I'm, I'll do this for you. But <laughs> Fair enough. With links to uh, several great causes we've adopted, including Hope, Hill, Hope for Hilldale Cemetery. And Hope for Hilldale Cemetery. That's the Facebook page. It is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So all right, people can donate there. Canadian Veterans Advocacy, USA Cares. Helping Haiti's Orphans and Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, Sisterhood of Ground Zero, most recently Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. We know all the people personally who run these sites. Yes. So that's uh, including one of them sitting right here. So there you go. So what are we concocting for next week, Ben? Uh, well, not much, uh, <laughs> because uh, we have back-to-back Easters, uh, Western Easter and Orthodox Easter, so uh, we will offer rebroadcasts. So on April 17th, we'll present a replay of Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks uh, with the researcher Adam Gorightly. On April 24th, we'll replay a very popular show, Death 
Near or Far with renowned near-death researcher Dr. Jeffrey Long. Uh, and then we b- will be back live on May 1st with the legendary Tom DeLong for a look at remote viewing. Okay, stay tuned for the Boston Bruins. Uh, we have no more time for the quote. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal.